and welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dyster. And if you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, leave a review. Really helps with the rankings and getting us to that top, the tippy tops of our little section in the podcasting space. But and with me this week, I have Priya Bates, and she is quite an interesting person to actually have. We're going to be talking about internal communications this week, and she actually has quite a, a lot of awards and certificates as well. First off, she's got a accredited business communicator, and she's one of the first to be credited or certificated in the communication management professionals in the world. And also she has, she's just an award-winning professional that we would really love to have on this show, but I'm gonna let her speak a little bit more about herself because she's better than I am. So welcome to the show, Priya. It's nice to be here. All right. Can you give us a little bit of elevator pitch about who you are so people can understand a little bit more from where you're coming from? Absolutely. I'm Priya Bates. I am president of Inner Strength Communication, which is an agency that focuses on internal communication, employee engagement, and change management with clients all over the world, mostly in North America, of course. I also have a bit of a side hustle, if you will, and that's a business called A Leader Like Me that focuses on building skills and strategy and a support network for women of color. And that's something that was built during COVID during the last year. All right. And now my actual first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? I'd say definitely both. I can't start my day without a couple of cups of coffee. So that's where I have to start. Otherwise, I'm not very nice to deal with. And I do love a good afternoon tea break. And after a lovely dinner, I need to end the evening with a cappuccino and dessert. So I'm a non-discriminate caffeine lover. Gotcha. It's all good. I'm both in most ways, but mostly coffee. Well, you need that pick-me-up every now and then. It's true, especially in the mornings where you're like, oh, it's the morning. Very true. But anyways, moving on to internal comms, and how has internal comms changed from previous years? Internal communication used to be associated with the stuff and seen as the nice-to-have. You focused on the customer and external audiences first and dealt with the employees last. And I think organizations are starting to realize that we can make a bigger difference from the inside out and that the brand is ultimately who we are and how we deliver. And that's about the experiences created for your customers through the words and actions by your employees. And I've always believed that, that internal communication is an integral enabler of business success. Gotcha. So it was basically like the ugly stepchild of comms where it was like, well, we'll do it if we have the time to do it. A nice to have, absolutely. A nice to have versus a need to have. And I really believe it's the need to have that makes the difference to deliver those business results. And speaking about internal communications, but also specifically engagement and people working from home, it seems like it would be really hard to get that engagement. Everybody's staring at a screen all day, so no one wants to stare at more screens. And you have your computer, so you can, just, you can go to Facebook, you can shop anywhere you want to. So how do PR pros or just internal comms people get the best engagement? Well, you know what's been interesting about COVID and remote work is the fact that it shed a light on how broken and under-resourced internal communication is in most organizations. And when you talk about engagement, we're really talking about how do we define what engagement means? So one of the things that's interesting that you said, Brett, was how does PR and communication get engagement? And I'd actually turn it around and say, what is the goals of the organization 
to get engagement and why does that matter? And starting with those questions first in order to drive the results. Because ultimately, when I'm talking to an executive about engagement, they're not talking about the superficial stay, 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 strive. If people are staying with the company, if they're going above and beyond, what the executives are talking about are, are we delivering those business results despite remote work? That's what engagement looks like. Are they delivering at the end of the day for the business the best they can every single day? And once we understand what the, what that means in terms of performance, how the company needs to perform, participation, what the employees actually need to do, what we want them to say from a promotion perspective, and how do we still build pride even if we're apart, that we feel like we're part of something together, that's what makes a big difference. So I actually use that methodology to look for gaps and figure out how to connect the dots for employees, whether they're in a building or out there remotely working around the world. So that's what's really exciting. I think that working from home has forced leaders to really look at what works and what doesn't, because we don't spend, even when we're in the office, we don't spend every hour talking to one another. No, it's true. When I actually worked in offices, yeah, I wouldn't maybe spend 30 minutes, if that, talking to other people. And I think what's been interesting is that when people think remote, everybody does this from a head office point of view. First of all, the executives tend to be in one head office. When they used to talk about remote employees or non-desk employees, that's another word we use all the time, they were talking about those that were driving trucks. They were talking to about the sales forces that were remote anyway, and they were talking to, about people who were on manufacturing shop floors that didn't have some sort of connection to the business. Well, all of a sudden, that would always be the second thing that was important. They'd focus on communicating the people who had access first. Now that everybody is remote, all of a sudden, the priority of being able to connect and create community and create, drive collaboration and drive those results is a different conversation than it would have been before. And speaking of creating community and all that other fun stuff, should businesses, at least maybe from a strategic point of view, be utilizing like virtual happy hours through, I think Microsoft Teams has a state together thing where you're in a like a movie theater, like chair sitting thing with your virtual heads and everything. Should they be doing something like that to boost team cohesion? I think I get careful of how people use the word strategic. What are we trying to drive? What are the goals? And what are the conditions that we need to create in order to deliver those goals? Absolutely. As long as it's not all they do is what I'm going to say. I've enjoyed seeing some creativity with some companies, some who are simply creating times to have coffee room banter in the virtual world, play games, have happy hours, or build social spaces for building connection. That's really exciting. People get excited about that. But what everyone needs to be mindful of is time and expectations. I know women, for instance, are bearing the brunt of home care and child care and now homeschooling. Just like when they can't stick around to go out for drinks when they're at the office, the same rules should apply when you're asking in a work from home environment, that you need to be mindful that not everybody can participate or is required to participate and that you create the opportunity, but it's not a demand that go, that sits on top of all of the other things everybody has to do and gets in the way of work-life balance. Oh yeah, I agree. When you actually make things mandatory, people go, oh, I have to 
join this thing and I really don't want to go. It's not fun anymore, is it? Yeah, so should PR pros be understanding of that? Be like, look it, we want you to be there, but if you can't because life happens and you are from home, so it really happens when you're from home. I mean, we've seen a bunch of those videos where things happen in the background where no one can control any of that. One of the things I really enjoyed, especially over the holidays, were the number of companies who were sending at-home kits that included the entire family. So they actually created family events out of their, uh, you know, connection program. Uh, whether I heard of Walmart Canada sending, you know, meal at home kits to the families of their workers and asking them to post and tell their stories. I saw town halls or, or get togethers that had activities involved with everybody got, got involved and it became something really fun that they said, you're more than just that individual who's giving time to work. We're recognizing, acknowledging that you've got other parts of your life that we want to include as part of our family. And that felt very different than some of the let's check the box and create an event that that's what, what everybody wants. And then don't forget to ask, like it, before you start, for a PR professional or a communication professional or an HR professional or a business professional, ask your employees what they want. You'll know really quickly whether you're headed in the right direction or they may have another brilliant idea you didn't think about. Basically the voice of the customer, the voice of your employees. Absolutely. Gotcha. And speaking of more internal comms and more of the content that usually would happen from when I was actually working in offices, it would just be kind of email newsletters that were kind of like, this is what's going on in the company. I'm like, eh, whatever. Should they pivot a little bit more to maybe doing internal columns for podcasts, should they be doing more videos and kind of getting more of that basically culture from home because you're not really part of the company culture when you're sitting from home most of the time. You're kind of part of your own home culture, basically. First of all, I think that the technology has evolved and the number of communication, internal communication specific platform companies that are now available to provide that richer experience where they create a social network and a water cooler outside of the going into the workplace, I think is a really smart move. Some of them are at the low end from a cost perspective, others very high. Podcasting in general and the whole auditory environment are so hot right now, especially when we're collectively zoomed out. I've recently discovered audiobooks, and I'm having a hard time listening to all the podcasts I would like to keep up with. But I think you really need to understand the audience and the appetite. Be aware that people used, used to like podcasts to listen to on their commutes. That's gone away for the most part. Create shorter snippets. I'm seeing some great podcasts where it's a five or 10 minute, give me five minutes. Imagine doing that and having the voice of the leader talk about an issue for five minutes. It doesn't take a lot of time. I created a podcast for a nursing union and to stay up to date with the latest issues from the union president. And that was a few years ago. And they still record a monthly episode to connect nurses who are in a number of different hospitals across the province who can then connect in and find out what the issues are that are important to nursing. And I'm sure that that podcast during this time of COVID is probably more popular than it's been in the past. With video, there is no doubt that video creates a more authentic experience and helps you connect better. So again, making sure the video is the right thing for the leader. 
Some are really comfortable in front of a, a camera, others are not. So you really want to create something that will work for that leader. If somebody is more comfortable on voice, if they're more comfortable telling their story, if they're more comfortable leading a meeting, if they're more comfortable talking to an audience on video, you really need to understand that leader. It's not a one size fits all approach and understand the organization. Very true. I mean, I follow podcasting industry in the stats. Luckily the pandemic hasn't hurt it too much where people are still listening to it because they're sitting on their computer all day. So it's pivoted. Yeah. Because you're not listening to your commute anymore. Yeah. But since they're sitting at their computer, it is kind of a break from everything else. Wouldn't you agree about that? Agree. I would absolutely agree with that. Okay. I'm enjoying my podcast, but there are so many out there personally and professionally. So I find I have to choose that time I'm taking away to choose which ones I want to listen to. Oh, it's true. I mean, a ton of people just decided to do podcasting during the pandemic. Like, I got time. Let's do podcasting. It's like, whoa, there. There's a lot of time that goes into this. This isn't just like a quick and easy thing to actually do as you think it might be. Exactly. And just talking about 2020, which we all want to forget, Mm -hmm. but what did that teach you about strategic comms, especially for internal comms from 2020? I think we saw a lot of reaction internal communications in 2020, where if you didn't already have an infrastructure, resources, and process, HR and internal communication professionals and PR professionals who were handed the mandate felt like they were running on a hamster wheel without any end in sight because news was changing every single day. And we also saw a lot of performative gestures on things like anti-Black racism and diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging. Everybody felt they had to have a say. But I think that the companies that hired me were serious about change and had operational plans connected to everything they did. In other words, they weren't performative gestures. They were actually performance initiatives. And that was really exciting to be able to see some of those important issues be brought to light. I think that the one quote that really stood out for me in 2020, well, actually it was 2021, so I lied about that. It was just early this year, uh, President Joe Biden, after January 6th, he had a quote that said, words matter. They can incite or they can inspire. And I realized in that quote that the power of our words have on creating real action. I think that there's this opportunity to use our words for good and to move people forward. And I'm really excited about the importance of communication, the understanding, the value of the employee and the essential worker who are all employees of organizations, that importance of people on the ground delivering every day. That's what 2020 did for us. I think that we really focused on valuing those people because they were highlighted more. And I'd like to see some of those intentions become really great actions that drive that engagement forward and, and helps us really focus on employees more moving forward. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to next year, cause I feel like next year we're really going to see that more robust type of different mix of different content, but also just a better strategic internal comms plan. Do you see that happening in 2022 as we started to figure out from 2020 and probably this year as well, how to actually do it better? Do you see companies doing it better or do you kind of see it being like, uh, maybe they'll do it better? I think it'll depend on the organization. I see some moments of brilliance, if you will. I see organizations who say, 
we really want to make a difference and we're moving in a different direction and we know there are opportunities and we know that communication is the gap between success and failure. And when those organizations that recognize that don't just kind of put a band-aid of communications on a problem, they actually see that it is a program that heals the organization and moves it to where it's next going to be. And I always say with internal communication professionals, if you were in reactive mode, it's now time to evaluate what you've done, what worked, what didn't, what can we do better next time? How do we drive more resources? How do we be more proactive so that we're not caught without the resources in the future when this happens again versus if, so that we're more prepared? And how do we drive the right technology solutions the platforms that we need in order to connect with people easier because they're available. I think I read a stat somewhere and I I can't quote where that stat was from. It was somebody's article that they said 72% of CEOs were prioritizing technologies that connect remote employees. And I'll have to find out where that was from. That really struck me that they're at least paying attention and looking. They realize communication is the problem. And they're looking at the platforms. The thing that I get concerned about is that the platforms don't work without really brilliant strategic communication professionals guiding the way and feeding the information. Just like a podcast won't work if you don't have really great content that engages people and brings people back every day. So you really want to have a strategic approach versus a reactionary check the box approach to any of these investments. Because at the end of the day, we want those investments to matter and stick. And that takes work, and that takes strategy, and that takes expertise. Mm -hmm. So do you think a lot of them, the 72% will actually find that stuff and actually do action, and not just words, but also the actions behind the words? Because you could say nice things, but unless you act up on it, it's just meaningless. (laughs) It's true. Um, I I think we're still in an early adopter stage with a lot of technologies where it is still check the box. I think you'll have more companies that'll become more mainstream in the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised by 2022 that we actually have technology platforms that connect employees. So they're internal versus external that are very much like the social media platforms we have externally. I think that some companies will really have the right resources to support those initiatives and their bottom line results will show. They will have better engagement results. They will have better business results, and they'll actually deliver on their promises. I think there'll be a set in the middle who are trying their best and may get some help and move forward. And then there'll be just as many who buy a new technology, and just like any other technology that's out there, a year later, they cancel their licensing fee because they said the technology didn't work and didn't acknowledge the the work that they needed to do in order to drive the working of the technology. All right. And then moving on to branding, because branding is just as important internal and external. How has it changed this year from last year? Because I feel like just like everything, it seems like PR is rapidly changing from 2020 to 2021 and 2022. There is a lot of change. I've always said the brand is a promise of who you are and how you deliver. And in today's social media instant information environment, There is quick retaliation for when you break your promises as individuals and as brands. 
and there are higher expectations. And just like people, there are divisions that force you to choose a side. And people are looking for alignment with the brand promise. They're looking for consistency. They're looking for authenticity in the delivery. And people aren't afraid to call you out. So when we're talking about branding, when I'm working on it from an internal communication perspective, I always focus on the inside out. So where does the brand start? It starts with the mission. It starts with the vision. It starts with the values. What does it mean? And how do we actually bring those values, mission, vision, purpose to life through actions that we want to drive so that when you're having an employee experience or you're having the customer experience, it is very consistent across the board, right? And, and then we really can say, what are we trying? What are the behaviors we're trying to change to drive that brand? We saw a ton of examples over the last year when that there was a brand disconnect and those companies were kind of swimming upstream against the current to catch up or redefine themselves or say, we were wrong, now we need to reset. And so that's the thing that I ask organizations to think of. The brand is not just who you say you are on the outside. How do we actually drive experiences and products and services to be aligned with that brand in every interaction we have with our customer and our public and our communities? Mm. And so, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about authentic branding, but I feel like there's a bigger push for it. I mean, I started to hear about it yes. in 2020 and now it's just kind of like, it's basically almost changed tell a story to authentic branding. Yes. I don't know, Brett, have you ever read the Edelman Trust Barometer? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of Edelman. I haven't heard of their Trust Barometer. So one of my favorite annual research reports, there's a couple that I read religiously every year. And the, my favorite, one of my favorites is the Edelman Trust Barometer. It comes out every year. And this year's theme of the Trust Barometer, based on 2020 research, and they published it, it's the 2021 report, was declaring information bankruptcy. I thought that was really interesting. And COVID, what they said was COVID put trust to the test and that government in most countries lost trust because of inconsistency and infighting. Infections and deaths, COVID had a big part of it. People didn't trust them anymore. Businesses, on the other hand, reacted swiftly and are more trusted than governments in the, so they do this comparison of business, media, NGOs, and government. And businesses went up while the others went down. And so I think that what we're seeing is that people trust their leader. They don't necessarily trust the broad category of CEOs. They don't necessarily trust what they're seeing with the big, big CEOs. But if they're talking about their own organization's leaders, they trust them. And it's because what they're seeing is a focus on more authenticity and vulnerability. I love the videos of leaders at home interrupted by dogs and kids sitting on their beds or makeshift offices. It made them more relatable, something that I think we shouldn't lose when we return to our ivory towers. And it's a real opportunity. We, I've been hearing the words trust, truth. Authenticity, vulnerability used a lot more when we're talking about leadership than I've ever heard it used in the past. Gotcha. So basically be human. Well, you know what? It's the, the be human makes me laugh because human is who we are. Human is our flaws as well as, in fact, sometimes we're being more human when we're not doing the right thing. 
than if we're not. So, so I find it funny when we tell people to be human, but I think that there is a little bit of humanity and caring and some of the emotional intelligence soft stuff. We definitely want to talk about facts, but we want to understand who our audience is and kind of relate to them, make ourselves more relatable from a humanity perspective, from a caring perspective. We want people to understand why we're doing what we're doing. So one of the things I said earlier is how do we create pride, right? People don't think about that. Every organization, I've spent most of my career in corporations. And people say, why do you support the big, bad corporations? Well, first of all, corporations are employ a lot of people. Corporations are what our stocks and our uh, retirement plans depend on if we're investing in them to move forward in some cases. But more importantly, a corporation always started with one individual or a couple of individuals with a dream and a purpose. Every company I've worked with was a story of somebody who dreamed of, of contributing to society and making a difference and finding something that everybody else wanted in order to drive the growth. They addressed a need. They wouldn't be successful if they didn't address that need. And it's those stories that I love. The companies that we love their Super Bowl ads this last weekend is because they connected to us in a way that we could relate to. And, and they had a story that they could tell. We need to tell those same stories internally as well as externally so that we can connect people in a way that, that feels like we're part of a family versus colleagues. Mm-hmm. And even speaking of that in a way is the challenges PR pros, what is it going to look like for their challenges in 2021 and 2022 and beyond? Because like you said, we've seeing what happens when everybody works from home and we're trying to get engagement and what not to do and what to do. So what are the challenges going to be for PR pros to keep on making great internal comms strategic plans? Here's the big thing. I I always compare, I compare external PR, which is the traditional PR to versus internal PR as the difference between dating and a marriage. Dating is, you know, when you're doing PR, it's traditionally, it's a little sexier. You're focused on the campaign. You're focusing on attracting people. You're really thinking about putting your best self forward. And that's everything is fun, if you will, to just focus on the positive. The difference is when you actually have a commitment in a marriage, you actually go through the ups and downs together. And you have to be more truthful. It's not about the sexy stuff. It's about the conversation you have every single day to keep that relationship strong. So the big opportunity for traditional PR practitioners is to realize that the focus should be on the conversation, not the campaign. I think the superficial campaigns of yesterday that felt very much like launch and leave or flavor of the month should be over. People are looking for those authentic conversations with brands and organizations and leaders to build relationships and trust. And for external PR, especially in the last few years, they need to fight the spin doctor, alternative facts, liar image that's created recently. A lot of PR professionals who usually focus on news cycles and press releases are now being handed responsibility for internal communication. And I'd like them to focus on sustainable change and bottom line results. That means they do things differently versus turning a press release into an email message with the same lack of human touch and understanding that simply won't work. They can't use their traditional, how they speak to the media 
cannot be how they speak to employees in an organization. And that's where we try to help. We do training and coaching as well for PR practitioners to really think differently from an internal communication perspective. So basically, they almost have to write two different comp plans, one for the external part and one for the internal part. But the internal part has to be about basically really connecting with people and sustaining that connection because you can connect and then lose connection and then try to connect again. And I'd actually go one step further, Brett. I would say that the way traditional internal communication works is kind of like how digital communication works as well. Even that platform creates a relationship and a conversation that's different than the point in time PR. So I think that I'd actually say that yes, you need to deliver internal uh, internal communications differently than you're used to, but it may mean you have to deliver external communication differently than you have in the past as well. That focuses more on that conversation that people are, because people do feel that they're building relationships with the brands that they believe in. Gotcha. And fun question for you. If you could create any award or certificate, since you have plenty of them, for Compros, what would it be? Oh, I had to think about this one. I called it the Sustain Award. You know, I evaluate global awards programs for communication all the time, and they usually have this one or two-year window, where, so you're forced to show off the stuff or the short-term projects, uh, you know, but where I think we can make the bigger difference is in creating those long-term sustainable change in organizations with limited disruption. That's the work that I'm really proud of when I was inside organizations leading communication teams, but now even as a consultant is I want to really create sustainable change in the organizations I'm working with and create the conditions where everybody, where we're influencing how everyone communicates. And I think that's the opportunity. Sustainability is not one-time communications. It's not one size fits all. And it's not point in time either. It's not the one and done. It's really focusing, working with leaders on where are we going in the next five years because they've got those plans. And how do we build the infrastructure and the conditions to make sure you get there? Gotcha. Any final thoughts for our listeners? You know what? I'm really excited about the future of internal communication. There are some who want to focus on making it more fun. And I often hire creative people when I need them. I have wonderful creative people. But I have to admit that a lot of the work I do identifies gaps and focuses on that real sustainable change over time. So it's not necessarily the sexy work but it makes the biggest impact. And the companies I've worked with have been recognized as employees of choice. They've gone through transformational changes with limited disruption to service or results. Their leaders are respected, their managers are informed, their employees help deliver those top-notch programs. I'd really rather focus on the substance versus the show because at the end of the day, doing the hard work makes the biggest difference. So let's stop looking at engagement and buying a foosball table or a picnic table, because that's not helping you right now in a remote environment. If they had actually worked on the cultural issues and things that really mattered to people that would drive some of the changes that people want, that would have helped sustain you through COVID. So let's do the real work. Mm, gotcha. That just reminds me of a last company I worked for I actually did buy a foosball table. And I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's easy. And doesn't involve very much work. It's very low capital expenditure. It's a one and done initiative. But at the end of the day, does it solve the real issues and the foundational issues that will make a difference in terms of driving the engagement of a workforce? Usually it doesn't. Like you said, it never does. It's a band-aid. 
It's a Band-Aid. And that's what I want to get people out of, that there is so much. It's for me, the organizations I've worked with, it's like magic. When we can actually fill that gap, because there are brilliant plans and brilliant purposes and brilliant things that those leaders are creating, and then they, they're frustrated because employees have no clue what's going on. They don't understand why they should be involved. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what to do. That's the gap we fill with communication. If we actually use our powers in that way, what's possible is, like, we can do anything. I, I've seen it happen in the organizations I've worked with. All right. Well, on that note, thank you, Priya, for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge about internal comps. Well, I really enjoyed being here, Brett. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for joining PR360 as well. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help us. Let us know how we're doing as well. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get those strategic internal comms working for you and see you next week. Later.